in a 202-word sentence that begins in verse 3 and goes through verse 14. But our focus today will be on verses 3 through the first half of 6. Please follow in the reading of the Word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to His kind intentions of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace. Father, we come today that you would teach us, Father, that we would see the plan of the Trinity before existence. Father, before the foundations of the world, before you spoke the stars, before you created the heavenly angels, before you created the planet. Help us, Lord, to look upon this great throne room of the testimony of the Godhead that we may understand the aspects of you forming the body of Christ that we stand in this day. To you, my King, my Lord, in Christ's name, amen. We looked at verse 3 and we saw the aspects of blessing. The aspects of blessing. And the Apostle Paul starts this letter off with that view first. The reason that he does that is because then he looks into the aspect of redemption, which we'll look at in a couple of weeks. But he also is now is looking at something that you, that I believe humanity, well, maybe I can narrow it down a little more. People who have been under the care of the church and the work of the church for generations I don't know if we've lost our passion or if we've lost our understanding of what is the body of Christ. When I have traveled in Russia, some of them have houses that they meet in that someone has donated. And then they, you know, remove a few walls or something like that. And they'll have a kind of a, a room, but they never call it the church. It is called a house of prayer. They look at the church is the individual people. And you can have church in the city square. You can have church on the sidewalk. You can have church in the backyard. Anywhere you have a gathering of believers, that's what they believe is the church. I showed you some those pictures of Pastor Philip. It's the same way. Pastor Paul in Burma is first generation of believers. His parents were reached by the missionaries, and from then on, he's there. And see, for us, you know, I've had conversations with people, and they say, well, I'm a Baptist. And I said, well, why are you a Baptist? Well, my mom was a Baptist, or my father was a Baptist, my grandparents are Baptist, or I'm a Methodist. Why? Because everybody I know is a Methodist. And, and it's, it dawns on me that we have come to a place in our lives where we are just we're looking at it as this is what I'm supposed to do on Sunday morning. And it's it has its own set of danger to it. I see so many. I get stuff daily on how to grow the church. Daily. I get something 
I have three email accounts and I will get something daily on those email accounts that tell me how to grow the church. Now, I'm not a theologian. I'm not the smartest bulb in the package. But I sure thought he said he was going to build his church. Now, maybe I'm wrong because maybe that's our problem. I'm not building the church. I'm not sure you guys would like what I would come up with. (laughs) So, I mean, you know. So I I just want us to think about this because I told some people that, you know what? I, I love this letter because the first three chapters is theology. Now, I was talking to pastors. You know what the response to me across the board was? Theology is so dry and boring. And I'm sitting there going, then you should perhaps find another line of work. And of course, they get cranky with me, but I'm just, that's nuts. But then I look at the condition of the church, specifically in Castle Rock, and no, there ain't no theology. Because if there was, the churches wouldn't look like they look. Because most of the churches that I have dealings with here in town are based on a business model. It's done through advertising. It's done through, you know, if I can get the mayor to attend my church or the chief of police to attend my church, then I can network and and do what? Okay, I hear people come in and they're planning another church. I heard there's two more churches coming into Castle Rock and hallelujah. And, and, you know, and they said, well, they did a demographic study, which makes me nervous. And they have concluded that there's enough income in this town to support two more churches. That's what we're doing. I'm building a church based on the income. Well, why don't we go up to Castle Pines and start a church? Let's see how that bugger goes. You see what I'm trying to get at? You know why? People do not understand the aspects of the forming of the body of Christ. We want to see the, the, they will never admit to this, but everything they're doing points to this. My job is to get as many butts in the seats so that you guys give so I can hire ministers to take care of you. And that's antithetical to the scriptures. If you're a person of Jesus Christ, you are already a minister. And yet, it is to draw a crowd. Well, you guys are defeated. And that's what I told them two weeks ago. You guys are defeated. Well, how can we be defeated? You'll never beat the Broncos. They got 76,000 every Sunday in a waiting list. You can't c- compete with that. So you might want to think of something else. I had a bunch of them were sending me stuff that I could do a Super Bowl party. That's how you reach the lost. Really? Really? 
that ain't how they're reached everywhere else. I'm not sure that if I went and talked to the people in Punjab and I told them that, you know, we were going to have a party for the Super Bowl. Would you guys be interested in coming and giving your lives to Christ? That they would even know what I was talking about. So we, we've kind of gotten ourselves into a place where we say, well, theology is dry and boring. Well, if you don't know what it says, it is. When I look at this, I'm looking into the throne room of heaven before there was a creation. That excites me. You know why? Ask yourself a simple question. What plan of God's can be stopped? So if I go look at what he was planning before creation, I can say, wow. <laughs> right on. So let's get back into this. The aspects of the forming of the body of Christ. We've already looked at the method. How is the method of forming the bride of Christ? Forming the body of Christ. It's very simple. It was election. God sovereignly chose. Now I want you to think about that for a second. If you're a believer this day, before there was creation, God knew who you were and he wanted to lay his love upon you. Okay, and I, and I went through that in detail. Okay, the object of his election are the elect. That makes sense. Why? He chose us not because we had potential. He chose us because it was his heart's desire. Okay, And if you're really honest with yourself, if you're saved today, every one of us has come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ on a different path. All right? I can guarantee you, no two of us in this room came to Christ on the same path. Through the same revolving door, through the, you know, enter here, enter here type path. But we are His object. We are... The focus of his affections. Which brings me to when did he do this? Oh, that was simple. It was in eternity past. People will ask you, when were you saved? And I smile at him. I said, before the creation of the world. And then they look at me because they live in a time of dry and boring theology. I look at him and say, you ain't going to believe this. Before he flung a star into heaven, he had my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's bizarre. And you want to know, we said, you know, God so loved the world. Well, what does that mean? God so loved the world. That before I flung a star into heaven, I had your name. That's how great my love is. Which brings me to the purpose. What was the purpose of this body of Christ. Well, that's easy. Holy and blameless. With Blameless is the word without blemish. No mark on it. We've been reading that through Leviticus. Bring me an offering that is spotless. Spotless. I chose you in eternity past to be spotless and holy. Holy means set apart. You're set apart. You're different than the world. In the Lord's Prayer, I know that we get a lot of 
conflicting reports on what the Lord's Prayer is. But if you go look at the Lord's Prayer and you want to be honest with the text, it's John 17. That is when the Lord prays. That would be the Lord's Prayer. One of the amazing verses in there is, I do not pray for the lost. Think about that for a second. Why? Because I have these people that I've already planned to save before we created anything. I pray for those. I pray for those. Now listen, I want to make sure that you understand. Election does not remove the responsibility of the individual. I showed you that. Judas was predetermined to betray. But woe to him who did it. All right, so the responsibility is still there. Judas can't stand before him and say, you know, I went and hung myself because I realized what I did was really a major, ooh-ooh. So can you forgive me? And he said, no, man, you did it. That's the purpose. What was the motive? We looked at this last week. His love. His love. We like to throw that around. You know, God is love. Did you know that God is love? But do you see what I'm trying to get at? That This is the kind of stuff that, that you see. God's love is purely sacrificial. And I, I showed you that in John 3.16. He gave His only begotten Son. Let's be realistic. How many of us are going to give up our child for the sins of humanity? Anybody here want to give up your child? I'm going to crucify my child for Adolf Hitler. Anybody want to do that? That's a little tough. That's a little tough. But you know what he did? He died for sin. Which one? Every single one of them. And even when he did that, we are so brilliant. We still rejected him. He died for us even though we were yet sinners. Okay? What was the motive? Love. Love. So he put this body together because it was his sovereign choice. And he chose these people, the elect. He did it before he made creation. He did it so that this elect people would be holy and blameless. He did it because he wanted all of creation to understand the massiveness of his love. What is the result? Verse 5, he predestined us to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. That is the result of the plan of the Trinity. The result? Sonship. Sonship. Interesting word. It is through Jesus Christ, God adopted us to himself. You ever think of such a thing? Sonships. We call ourselves children of God. But you know what? I am convinced what I have seen. Very few people really know what that means. I'm a child of God. I've been adopted. Paul in Romans 11 says, you've been grafted in. And we all say, yes, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. da, 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 da. Let me tell you, first of all, what it's not. Okay? It is not 
that God allows us to be his servants. Okay? It is not that God allows us to be his friends. Although, from my perspective, if God allowed me to be a servant and a friend, I'm thinking that'd be pretty nice. That ain't what it means. Here's what God says. You are not only not servants. You are not only not friends, but you will be my sons. Now, I heard a guy one time teaching that in heaven, we're all going to be 33-year-old males because of this. And I was like, dude, that's sick. Because <laughs> it says we are as different as the stars. And uh, I'm not sure I'd want to hang out with a bunch of 33-year-old males in heaven for eternity. Nothing against 33-year-old males, but uh, nah. You are going to be my sons. If Now listen, I showed you what is love, okay, last week. If God loves us, then he would draw us as close to himself as was possible. Have you ever seen uh, a young couple when they're in love? They always want to be together. They want to be as close as possible all the time. Okay? Now that's human love. Because then they get married and they want to sit on the other side of the table from each other. Okay? It's, it's really good up until the time that I do and he did. And now we are. Okay? And, and we all get scattered around and daggone it. <laughs> all right. But, but that, but in that, what is it? The courting is, are you allowed to say courting, dating, whatever it is? You just want to be with the person all the time, all the time. Well, if God's love is only perfect, then he would draw us as close to him as possible. And the closest that you can get in an individual is family. Have you ever seen families? There's always the proverbial, we'll call it the black sheep in the family. Okay. And everybody in the family talks about that individual as the black sheep in the family. But if you're outside of the family and you make a statement, the family turns on you and wants to come after you. Now they'll... Tell you how rotten that black sheep is. But don't you dare tell me how that black sheep is. Because that's family. I've got a, an uncle. I don't even know if he's still alive. And he would disappear sometimes at a year or so at a time. And then he'd show back up. Uh, he never married. But he'd show back up where he'd been stabbed. He could show you where he'd been shot. Look here, I got hit with a bat. And I'm in, and, and then all of a sudden he'd disappear again. And you kept thinking, well, you know, when are they going to send the body back? But I tell you what, he's a character. I mean, I really wouldn't want to spend Christmas with him, but he was family. He was family. And you know, there was a lot of people who did not like Carl. And, and he would wear thin on you. After, you know, a couple of days, you're sort of, wow, <laughs> come on, man. 
All right. But, but, you know, it's when you become a Christian, you become a child of God. And that, that's amazing to me. You can even cry to God now. Abba. I was in Jerusalem in, uh, uh, in the old city. And there was these kids running around in, in town. And you could hear them going, Abba, Abba, Abba. Because they were all wanting you to buy something. Okay, and I mean, and they sell about every size piece of junk you could think of, and 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 they're all they're all running around, abba, 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 and I kept thinking, that's Papa, Daddy, Daddy in our vernacular. Have you ever thought of that? I remember seeing a Time Life magazine that had John Kennedy sitting at that big honking desk in the Oval Office, and it's got a little trap door in the front of it. And that trap door was opened up, and John John was crawling out from under there, and the president was sitting at his desk doing something with some papers. I thought, now how'd you like to grow up with that? We're getting ready for the Cuban Missile Crisis, and John John is crawling around under the desk. No problem. But how much greater is it that I can call he who spoke existence into being Papa? See... That's that closeness. It's that very deep affection because we have access to daddy. See how boring and dry theology is? God is on our side. God is one with each and every believer. To the point that they can call him Papa. They can call him Daddy. It's even deeper than that. There is the same common life. Listen. To be saved. You know, um, I get into trouble at times. Or people get a tad bit cranky with me occasionally. When I ask him, are you saved? Seems like a relatively safe question. But I've noticed that it it, it tends at times to really offend people. Uh, Are you saved? And the reason that I do that is we should all be asking that. Listen, to be saved... Ain't got nothing to do with going to heaven. I mean, you get it. That's a bonus benefit. But it is to have the life of God in the soul of man. You are being conformed into the image of his son. That's salvation. And if someone says, are you saved? Perhaps you are doing something that is causing them to doubt that the life of God is in your soul. And you might want to listen to what they're asking you. I don't ask it to offend people. I'm just saying you don't look like the life of God is anywhere near you. His life, the very 
essence of God flows through our souls. That's why you can get caught with your hand in the cookie jar and never have anybody catch you. And yet you're under conviction. Because he says, yeah, I saw you. Listen, I don't know. I care how you shake that thing. Where I come from, that's accountability. I listen to these pastors and they've got accountability councils. And I'm like, what the heck is that? Well, we have people that we're accountable to. Well, what about the Lord? I know a guy right now who has a great big massive church and he can't access his computer and his secretary has to put in the, the, what do you call that thing? The password so that he knows that if he goes somewhere on that computer he shouldn't go, they can check it because he can't get the password. Now there's a problem there. That's a big problem. Because you know what? When I do something wrong, I get this right away. And I mean, it could be something. This guy, I tell you what, this road trip that I just took down to El Paso, I've never seen anything like it. It will test your sanctification. And there was a couple of times there that I thought, you know what? I think I'm just going to cut this guy off for grins. Because he's being kind of a, a turd. And God says, I wouldn't do that if I was you. I was like, oops, gay. All right. I, I wish that we would understand this, that the life of God is so interwoven with us. What are you going to get away with? Listen, let, let me try to give it to you in a human vernacular. I know some people who have adopted children. There are multiple different reasons. You can adopt a child. You know what? And you can take that child that you adopted and you can love that child as one born to you. This is my child. I love this child. I made the decision. This is my child and I'm going to love it as if it was born to me. You can even love that child more than one that is born to you. You can set your love on that child. You can make a home for that child. You can care for that child as your own flesh and blood. But there's one thing you can never do. You cannot give that child your spirit, your nature, either one, to that child. Can't do it. That's what is different than being adopted into the family of God. He gives us His Spirit and His nature. Now, I agree. It's a work in progress. Absolutely, I agree that. But it ain't that the resources ain't there. You may not have the theology to understand what you already possess... The moment we believe in Jesus Christ, that we have been predetermined before the world began, everything changes. And yet we battle with it, don't we? Well, is it really that bad? 
I remember one time I was coming out of the credit union and I walked out and I stepped, <clears throat> stepped down to, off the curb and I looked down and there was a brand new hundred dollar bill just laying there. Now I'm outside of the credit union. I wonder where that hundred dollar bill came from. So I picked it up and I thought, well, God just gave me a love offering. Okay, now I took a hundred dollar bill and went back into the teller and I said, hey, I found this laying out in the parking lot. She said, what? I said, I found this laying out in the parking lot. I'm figuring it's out in front of a bank. It probably belongs back in here somewhere. She says, I can't believe you're doing that. I said, 35 years ago, there ain't no way. But here. And I gave it back to him. The lady to this day is like, you're nuts. But you see what I'm trying to get at? That's not in our nature. I mean, we could rationalize. Well, I think God's going to have somebody come into my life that's going to need $100 bills. And it's me. But I knew that, that somebody walked out of there and was probably fiddling around in their pockets or whatever. And, you know, to me, a $100 bill is a lot of money. And now the other guy, the person who lost it may not think so, but if they did, then they would be back, hopefully, or whatever. The, the bank would have to try to balance their books. Let me give you a view of this out of Second Peter. We all love Peter, don't we? People, if you ask most people, who do you relate to the most in the Bible, most people will say Peter. Right? I like Peter. I don't know if I can relate to him. Chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, that coming from Peter means a lot to me. Okay, if you think about him, he had both multiplied to him. Okay, but he tells you how, how do I get grace and peace multiplied to me in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord? You know what they call that where I come from? Theology. That. Dull, boring thing. That will only increase, multiply your grace and your peace. That dull and boring thing. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Okay, that's temporal and eternal. Life is temporal. Godliness is eternal. All right. How did you get it? Divine power. Through the what? There it is again. Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. All right. So two times he uses the term knowledge and he wants you to understand that grace and peace will be multiplied to you and that know that in that Knowledge, you will understand that you have everything you need for life and you have everything you need for godliness. It already is in your possession. Look at verse 4. 
For by these, by what? The knowledge that has given you everything you need for life and godliness, and the knowledge that has grace and peace multiplied to you. For by these, He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them, you may become what? Partakers of the divine nature. Okay, the reason many people are not partakers is because they lack knowledge. They don't understand what they've got. They haven't tapped into God's holy bank account. And yet you already have it. But you don't exercise your knowledge. Or you don't expand your knowledge. You don't stretch it out. Make it hurt your brain. Sit back at times and sit there and go, whoa. And you can spell that either way. It's just, whoa. I mean, you're like, wow, whoa, whoa. It's already there. And then it'll only multiply the grace and peace. That's all. And I only understand that I have everything for life and godliness. That's all. But you only get that when you have the knowledge, because then all of a sudden you realize that you are a partaker of what? The divine nature. What nature would that be? God's nature. God's nature. We have become partakers of the divine nature the moment that you believed. Now your knowledge doesn't embrace that. I believe one of my greatest benefits that has ever came to me that God did through the life of my struggle was I was not raised in the church. I, my grandma took me and my brother to vacation Bible school uh, probably four times. And uh, we outgrew that. <laughs> and that was my experience with quote unquote church, religion, whatever you want to call it. That's all I knew. Now, when I went to school, they taught creation and evolution, and they were both theories. Okay, now, I hate to break the news to people, but neither one of them have overcome the theory part, except creation shows stronger than evolution. Okay, one of the amazing things that I've learned about science is they've never disproved anything in the Bible. I mean, they like to try to, but they, you know, you can't prove there's a God. No, because if I could, then he wouldn't be God. I don't want an itty bitty God. I want a great big one. My God can whip your science. We have become partakers of that nature. The believer, the true believer, has the very nature of God in each of them. It is already there. Uh, One time, I met with Yuri in Russia, and I found out that he had direct dealings with Vladimir Putin before Vladimir Putin ever became prime minister. You know what the dealing was? Vladimir showed up at his house one night and arrested his father. He never saw his father again. You know why he arrested him? 
preaching the gospel. Now he's had meetings over and over and over and over with Vladimir Putin and carries no animosity whatsoever. But then he'll smile at you and say, Brother, that is the nature of God. Okay, not only that, just so you don't feel lonely, he has granted each child his spirit, everyone. And and I hear people talk about being spirit-filled. And it's sort of like you go up to the holy gas station and top off your tank with Holy Spirit. Okay, that is not what it means. Spirit-filled means what's leading you. What's leading you? Because he's given you, you've got all of the spirit. Yeah, I got only got a half a tank of spirit left. No, you don't. Well, I'm running on spirit fumes. No, you're not. You may not be submitted to it. But he's there. He's there. One of the things that I have learned about spiritual maturity... Spiritual mature people, when they're under conviction, change quickly. Spiritually immature drag their feet or want to reason with it. But God, let me explain this to you. Okay? We try to rationalize our conviction. Well, if you've got the divine nature in you and a full tank of Holy Spirit... Guess what? You have victory over the flesh. I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. A guy says, well, you don't understand. I'm a recovering alcoholic. And I said, what do you mean you're a recovering alcoholic? He says, well, my whatever counselor says, it is impossible to ever be cured of this. So I'll always be in a state of recovery. I said, you know, that's not right, right? He goes, what? I said, it's idolatry. I said, that's all it is. It's idolatry. We, I mean, let's be realistic. Humanity can just about worship anything. Okay? But that's all it is. Alcohol, I don't care if it's alcohol, if it's drugs or whatever. It's idolatry. This is more important to me than fill in the blank. Okay? And I said, until you come over, overcome your idolatry, then I guess you'll be in recovery. It's that simple. But see, we like to hang a big word on it. Well, you know, I've got this ism. An ism? Yeah, I'm addicted to... I'm still trying to figure out how Tiger Woods get away with sexual addiction. Where did that come from? And who told him to say that publicly? Because I don't think anybody on the planet believes it. He's about himself. But that's what we do. And yet a child of God, can a child of God have problem with booze? Absolutely. Why? Because they step back into their idolatrous ways. But 
But he has granted each child his spirit so that we can be comforted, so we can be counseled. Lord knows we need to be counseled. But we decided what? We will ordain Christian counselors. Really? Did the Holy Spirit take a break? Is he on vacation? Well, what happened? Retirement. I knew it. I knew it. He went on retirement. No, he's my counselor. Why? So when we are adopted as sons and daughters of the King of kings and Lord of his Lord, we are given his nature, which is in our very souls, and his spirit to seal us. Every child of God. You know why? He's drawing us as close as he could. To the point that when he looks upon his individual child's, all he sees is his only begotten son. See, Jesus left. He ascended. But he went to make a room in his father's house for each and every one of us. And you know, we translate it room. If you take it back to the original language, it actually means a mansion. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'll take a room. Because I think if I get a room in the Father's house, it will be my mansion. We have access to all God has for us. You have that now. So, God formed the body. So he would have sonship to all who he elect. And he did it before creation. So let me ask you a question. What problem do you have? Just a question. Let's pray. Father, thank you for... Your plans. Father, thank you that each and every one of us that is here today are in that plan. And uh, Father, you are conforming us into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Father, you, you plan this. It's, 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 it's still staggering to me. The detail of the forming of the body. Christ in this world. Each and every one of us collectively together show a lost and dying peoples. Jesus Christ. I I can't grasp that, Lord. And yet you did it. Father, thank you that we are now partakers of the divine nature. Father, thank you that you multiply us to each and every one of us grace and peace in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Father, that your divine power has granted us everything to life and godliness in the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory. Thank you, Lord, that we who are here are part of that body. Thank you, Lord, that you are doing exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever think or imagine. Father, thank you for your holy book. 
Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for your spirit sealing us. Thank you that we are overwhelmed by the presence and the nature of God in our souls. We love you. We praise you. May our love grow with every breath you grace us. In Christ's name, amen.